As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by the IHRA. The Summit Sportsman Spectacular is back for 2019. An incredible value, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular at both Farmington Dragway, that's in Moxville, North Carolina, and Extreme Raceway Park, that's in Ferris, Texas. They'll both take place this weekend, March 22nd through the 24th. Stay tuned to learn more about the awesome value that IHRA is bringing to tracks near you. Today's podcast is also brought to you in part by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing design and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. Come and get some, cause I'll be willing to bet that you don't want none. If you want some, come and get some. 500, let's lock it in on the next one. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This week on What Everyone is Talking About. All right, so we put that drop in there, what everybody's talking about, but I, I don't know that anything really jumps off the page, Big Jed. No, I don't think so. But we've got a number of interesting stories and a lot of kind of racing action to recap. And I guess since it's been a couple of weeks, the logical thing would just be to go in chronological order. We'll start with the Big Bucks race out west, out in Tucson a couple of weeks ago. That's the race that Chris Forsyth and Sean Langdon put on. That's the West Coast Classic. Is that right? Uh, it is. And instead of going in chronological order, Luke, let's just go in the order that they happened. That'll be probably better just to do it that way. Okay, we'll try that. I didn't really know what chronological meant, but yeah, the Tucson Big Bucks event did happen, and wow, it looked like 
Forsyth and Lane and had a great turnout. Those guys done a phenomenal job building their brand and, and getting those West Coasters out there, some other great races to attend outside of fling and, and some other stuff. So really happy to see that. And Luke, this guy went a long way to get there, but he performed very well, as always. Peter the Great. Yeah, last I checked, uh, Maspeth, New York, not next door to Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> but uh, last time I checked, that, that Peter Biondo cat, pretty good at what he does. Yeah, Peter really showed out there, winning a $10,000 to win shootout and a $10,000 to win main event in the Copo Camaro that um, you will actually get to do some shoeing here pretty soon uh, that belongs to the Lamb family. So Peter, once again, performed extremely well. He was on the West Coast with Kyle working through some uh, fall fling 500K stuff, and then they those guys went on down to Tucson. So a really big weekend or week for him, but uh, there were other familiar faces, especially West Coast racing. Chris Whitfield won a 20 grand to win. Well, I guess that was a shootout, wasn't it? I think it was a, maybe a 64 car shootout. I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah. And Marco Paravalaris uh, had a big win. I think that was a 10 grander that Marco won. And then uh, Lori Warden. Now, I've given Luke Bogacki Motorsports credit for a winning Warden entry that really was not valid. How about this one? Was this one We can take credit motor- for this one. Yeah. <laughs> so a car that you prepared for the Warden family uh, took Lori to a big win out there as well. So friends of the show getting it done, some familiar faces, some big wins out there at a great event in Tucson. So uh, congratulations to all those folks. Yeah, I guess just looking at this, like I guess we got to get Lori Warden on the show because Peter Biondo, former podcast guest, Chris Whitfield, former podcast guest, Marco Paravalaris, former podcast guest. Mm. I don't know because in some cases this is a year plus removed, but I, so I don't know if we can claim the podcast bump, but it couldn't hurt. <laughs> no, we'll uh, claim it. To your point, West Coast royalty, I think, would be the term between Whitfield, Marco, and Peter. My goodness, like I would assume, and I think it's a fair assumption, that Peter hasn't been in a car since late 2018. So we're talking four, five, six months since he last sat behind the wheel. And I am relatively certain that he won two 10-granders, one off the top, one off the bottom, in two different vehicles that he had never set in prior to arriving in Tucson, Arizona. He won the 10-grander off the top in Phil Unruh's Cobalt, supercharged Cobalt, um, high gear only, the way that I understand it, going like, I don't know what the number was, six O's at 120, and then won the bottom bulb shootout in Justin's Copo Camaro. Again, two cars that I don't believe he had ever driven prior to the weekend. Just yet another testament to the unbelievable talent, ability, focus, whatever superlative you want to throw out there for Peter Biondo. It is downright amazing. Yeah, he, he does seem to perform uh, pretty well in the race car seat. And you talked about how long it had been since he raced, and it seems like it's five or six months between every time he races, but he always seems to show up in the winner's circle or right in the middle of the picture. So great job to Sneaky Pete once again. And again, those familiar faces that took the big wins out there in Tucson and to our buddies Forsyth and Langdon for a heck of an event. Great job all the way around. Luke, come back across country 
to Darlington to the SFG event, and that one, you know, no fault of the promoters, but that one had some struggles around it. The rain that we have seen out in this part of the country dominated that weekend and kept a whole lot of action from happening. Uh, Those guys made best calls they could make, did the best they could for the racers. They did get a 15 grander completed on Thursday. That one had a pretty familiar, talented face in it as well. A guy that you're very familiar with collecting the big check there. Another podcast bump. I mean, what can we say? KB comes on the podcast, wins a 15 grander. So uh, Kevin Brandon (laughs) did get the only win of the weekend in Darlington. Defeated Jeff Sarah in the final round of what was supposed to be the warm-up 15-grander, as Mother Nature would have it. I guess that turned out to be the main event. But plenty more SFG stuff on the schedule throughout the season. Also, that same weekend, we had Tucson, we had Darlington, and uh, for the NHRA crowd down south, the Baby Gators, which we've discussed before. I don't really know when the Gainesville Points meet became the Baby Gators, but it seems to stick the standout performances from down there, Ray Ray, Ray Miller the third won Super Comp for the second event in a row. I believe it was uh, South Georgia just a few weeks prior that Ray Ray won Super Comp. And maybe, just maybe, Ray Ray is probably the most talented racer that has chased it repeatedly that hasn't yet won a world championship in the 890 category, or I mean, I guess in any category, probably has been deserving several years over. It seems like he's been a top three finisher maybe three, four times. Maybe this is the year. Obviously, a long way to go, but you started off with two 105-point performances and then add that to the talent, the ability, the equipment that we know Ray Ray has. Maybe this is the year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Ray Ray's going to be a contender. He's gotten off to a hot start, and you know, no surprise there. We, we know how talented he is, former million-dollar winner. Uh, gets it done on the bracket side as well, but Super Comp, is, is that championship has eluded him, but he's always seemed like he's in the picture and i imagine he's going to be well in the picture this year with a with such a hot start but he also had marion stevenson with a hot start i think he cooled off a little uh, cody lane's come close and like you talk about ray ray so that's going to obviously give him more and more reason to chase this super comp championship and i don't know much like you do about how you pick your events but when you get off to a hot start like that, does that allow you more to sit back and kind of watch things play out, or do you keep planning to chase these and try to get your points built up a little earlier? Well, it, I mean, you could approach it a number of different ways, but the bottom line is you pretty much have to go to 14 events. So, and just logistically, like making 14 events is kind of difficult. You know, I mean, they they get really spread out. So if you put it off to the end of the year, you tend to... Uh, to get a lot of windshield time. So I don't know exactly what Ray Ray's plan will be, but to your point, he will absolutely be in the mix. It's hard to imagine a racer of his caliber with this type of start not having a top five or top ten type season. And it would surprise no one if this was the year that he went all the way. And to your point earlier, like this just extends what feels like – I know every year there are racers that get hot. But it just feels like there's only been like four or five NHRA events to this point. There's five or six people that have won twice or been in two finals. We talked about Kevin Wright and the show that he put on out west in Super Comp. It was at Bart 
Smith that won both yep. Top Sportsman National events out west. We'll talk about Sandy Wilkins in a minute. He's hot in Top Sportsman. You mentioned Cody Lane. You mentioned Marion Stevenson. Now Ray Ray. A lot of racers. It seems like an uncharacteristic amount of racers really having multiple successes early in the season. So it'll be interesting to keep up with that as the other divisions get to racing, points start coming in from around the country, and the championship chases begin to kind of take shape come summertime. Yeah, that will be fun to watch play out. So, Luke, we went from the baby gators, I guess, to the full-grown gators. Uh, the the full-on-grown gators. Yeah, the gator grown, gnats. The grown bleep gators. <laughs> was contested uh, recently, and that was uh, the sportsman finals. That was interesting. I think all along they were scheduled for Sunday, but I guess, why was that decision made to finish sportsmen on Saturday night? Was it a little bit of weather coming in? They wanted to get some more time available, or what happened there? Yeah, this was um, unique, if not unprecedented. NHRA, typically in national event competition, the sportsman categories are whittled down to, most commonly now, the, the final the semifinals, the final four cars remaining, occasionally the quarterfinals, unless there's weather earlier in the weekend. But bottom line, like the final rounds are held on Sundays, but there's not much sportsman competition on Sundays. You know, it's down to a couple rounds of racing. At Gainesville, they actually finished all of the sportsman categories late Saturday night. And this was met with mixed reviews. I'll, I'll just share my, my hot take on it, I guess, is I actually say good on NHRA here because this is similar in some ways to what we talked about with last year's million dollar race when weather came in it was obvious that no matter what randy and jenny did the the atmosphere of the million was going to go away somewhat like you weren't going to be able to finish it at a regular time on saturday night in front of the hundreds of racers and spectators that were there thousands really of if you include spectators and that atmosphere was going to be diminished like the only options were it was going to finish in the wee hours of the morning or the decision that they ultimately made to finish on sunday where obviously everyone that wasn't in the million or everyone that lost in the million was leaving and it just didn't have that same feel this is similar the issue facing nhra was the forecast that i saw was like a 90 percent chance of rain on sunday at the gator nationals so assuming that you do get any racing in at all on sunday Obviously, the pro show is going to take precedence. That's TV. That's what the spectators pay to see, etc. So I guess there is a possibility that you have a beautiful day and the weather forecast is completely wrong. We've all seen that. And you get everything in. But odds are you're either going to postpone the entire show or at least a, a significant portion of it and probably try to run it Monday. Or at the very least, you're going to push the pro show through. And if there's any weather at all, you're still going to have to push off the remainder of sportsman eliminations till Monday because, again, it's just not a priority, which I may be the only sportsman racer on earth that actually understands that. But like we're in that situation, we're not a priority. And I understand why. So with that said, the likely options here are either in either one like sucks in its own way i guess you know it's not an optimal situation but you either keep that handful of sportsman competitors around an extra day keep in mind most of them have been there since wednesday parking you know and time trials and racing so you're going to keep them around an extra day to finish on monday or you're proactive about this go ahead and finish the race saturday night so that 
while obviously you don't have the atmosphere of winning a national event, you don't have the big crowds, you don't have the huge winner circle pictures and all the cool stuff that would normally go along with winning specifically the 50th annual Gator Nationals, that goes away. But if we run it on Monday, that's gone too. And it, what it did was just allow all of those competitors, win, lose, or draw, to pack up and basically have a travel day home. Like It's a rare, but I think correct and refreshing, proactive decision on the part of NHRA. And I hope that that's something that uh, that continues going forward. I, In my mind, I don't know exactly what ended up happening weather-wise on Sunday. I know that they did get the pro show in. Maybe they could have gotten the sportsman in. But that's all in retrospect. Like You're looking at a forecast that looks that awful. I, I'm actually a fan of this call. I think it was the right move. Yeah, it's thing that, like you said, had mixed reviews, but uh, it accomplished, I guess, the goal that they had in mind to leave them some extra time. I think they might have got a little rain on Sunday, but they did manage to get it in. Now, for our bracket racing friends listening, they're thinking, what's the big deal? They they just finished it a night early, and, and they got it done. You know, for a lot of these racers in NHRA sportsman competition, they don't get a look at the tree at night. It's fairly rare that you will race nighttime racing, so uh, they're usually looking at it in the sunlight. So I think that probably posed a little bit of a challenge as well to some of these guys and, and ladies. Yeah, that's a fair point, but let's be honest. Like, if you can't win the race when the sun's down, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, I was just making a it point. It ain't like we're it. racing down Baptist Camp Road. They got lights. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they adjusted, but again, I I don't think, especially if you're you know if you're a real racer and you're hitting the bottom, that's that's a little more of a challenge. Could be a twenty thousandths window you're working with there, but nonetheless, the champions adjusted. Speaking of champions, how about Big Ed Richardson in a borrowed car gets it done? And I saw his Facebook post and said it's a race that has a, a win that has eluded him for many a year. Big Ed gets a super gas win. Luke, that's um, he's no stranger to the winter circle. But that was that was huge for a guy that don't get a whole lot of opportunities to do that these days. Let me be the first to say, Big Ed is back. <laughs> Hold on, can we do that? What, what do we do? What do we do with Scotty? Big Ed's back. Big Ed's back. So yeah, Big Ed's back. Super gas victory at the Gator Nationals, his first Gator Nationals triumph. Obviously, that's that's a special accomplishment for anybody, but especially for someone like Ed, who has, uh, at least to my knowledge, lived in the state of Florida his whole life. Like that is the race. So that's cool to see. Is if Ed Richardson, a former, I'm almost for certain, two-time NHRA Super Comp World Champion. He's won the million dollar race. There's very little in our sport that he hasn't done, but really. Like years tend to run together for me, Jed. But I'm gonna say for the last decade, he's his racing has been very, very selective. Certainly not yes. what it used to be. So to get the opportunity to uh, to jump in with Bruce Duncan, drive this car, I know he's had some success at the division races, and then obviously it comes to a head at the Gators. Pretty cool stuff. I was surprised to see that because I put Ed up on a pedestal, and I think most of us do at least that generation, you know, and it's been a few years. I was surprised to see that this was just his sixth national event win. But as I recall, I think one of the years that he won the championship, it was one of those rare occurrences where he won the Super Comp Championship, and I don't think he won a race the whole season. But he was semis a runner-up everywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? So maybe, oh, yeah. that was, maybe that was kind of the story of his career. But nonetheless, to win on that stage, and I think it's one of those things, too, that I'm sure that winning the Gators would have been special for Ed, and 
what, 2003, 2005, whenever he was really going gung-ho. But those 15 years removed from it, I think it makes you appreciate it that much more. So I think that that would be a really cool situation. Yeah, I think I think you're very accurate. I could see that in how he made the post, that it was super special to him. And, and Ed is not the kind of guy that uh, gets on and talks about much anything going on in his life. So it obviously had very special meaning to him. But uh, speaking of special meaning, it, it means a lot to me. just really feel good to see this guy go to a big final like that. And I know it does you as well as he's uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. But the runner-up in Super Gas is uh, somebody pretty special to us. Yeah, huge shouts to uh, Carl Watts. Um, uh, driving to the final round of the 50th annual Gator Nationals, Carl was the runner-up to Big Ed in Supergas. And to your point, just one of the most genuine good guys out there. So normally we don't do a, a ton of results-oriented stuff here, but you got to shout out Carl. That was awesome. I was cheering for him. Yeah, no doubt, Carl. Great job, and uh, hope that success continues for you. Speaking of success and families getting it done, we talked about Mary Stevenson and his hot start in Superstock. Luke, his uh, his daughter got off uh, or had a very good performance as well with a runner-up in Supercomp and making it to the quarters in Supergas. So the the uh, Stevenson family as a whole getting it done big time so far on the NHRA side of things. Yeah, Nicole Stevenson was putting on a show. Like you said, runner-up in Supercomp, quarter-finalist in Supergas, one of several competitors that was in multiple categories late. But that one stood out to us. And I guess the big story, maybe we should have even led with this, although it's not all sportsman drag racing related, but the story from Gainesville was definitely the family double between Randy Lynn and Bo Butner. Randy Lynn Ship, winner in Stock Eliminator, again, late Saturday night. Fiance Bo follows that up with a pro stock win on Sunday. That's a pretty cool story, especially magnified again by it being the Gator Nationals and, in this instance, the 50th annual Gator Nationals. Pretty special day for those two. Yeah, very special power couple there in drag racing and getting it done at the Gator Nationals. So I'm sure that celebration was uh, lengthy and, and wonderful. So congratulations to them as well. And the, uh, the top dragster final loop, can you find two guys that have accomplished much more than these two. Uh, Anthony Bertozzi. Yes. Anthony Bertozzi gets the win over Fuzz, uh, Steve Furr, in the top dragster final. It says here in the notes, uh, 22 NHRA nationals for our buddy Antoine and Fuzz. I, and I don't know how many he's got, but between them, those guys have accomplished just about everything you can accomplish on that side of things. Yeah, it's funny. I guess I'm showing my age because I still think of Anthony as the 17-time IHRA world champion. And I don't know if he won 100 IHRA national events, but it had to have been close. And I still don't feel like he's been doing the NHRA stuff for all that long. It's probably longer than I realize. Again, I'm showing my age. 22 national event wins seems like a bunch. I mean, it is a bunch, but it just seems like a bunch for a guy that I still associate more with dominance on the other side of the field. He didn't run any NHRA stuff until he won the Superstock Championship. I guess maybe that's a decade ago now, but it's still 22 national events. I thought that was a big number. It surprised me. That is a big number, but uh, you know, and it does surprise me as well. I was not aware of that success on the NHRA side, but you know, it it is Anthony Bertozzi. So surprise is kind of a, a word that might not fit. Nonetheless, big performance for him, getting a win over uh, an absolute Hall of Famer in Steve Furr. 
And as you mentioned earlier in the show, Sandy Wilkins off to a hot start. Luke um, gets a win there in top sportsman at the Gators, and then he also won a points meet earlier. So back-to-back wins there for Sandy. That's big, and uh, it matches the the two wins that Bart Smith put up a little earlier in the season. So uh, it's keeping Sandy on pace to compete there with uh, those guys. And um, talk about no surprise. That's no surprise at all. Sandy Wilkins is a guy that's a perennial power in this in this category. Yeah, much like we talked about earlier with Ray Ray Miller, Sandy's a guy that is seemingly every year in top sportsman in the top five, in the top three. And in, it would be more of a surprise than not if he was not in the mix in 2019 coming into the season. Now you add, you know, you just catapult that, you you multiply that, however you want to say that, with two wins early, just like Ray Ray, like maybe this is the year that Sandy Wilkins hoists that trophy and takes the stage in Pomona. Yep, and over in comp. Uh, yeah, we don't, talk, about we don't comp talk too much about comp, but I thought I, I included this in the note just because I thought it was a cool story. Craig Bourgeois won competition eliminator over Randy Daniels, and he was perfect in the final, right? Triple zero on the tree. And he had to be. It looks like on paper, now I know there's a lot more to comp than meets the eye always, but it looked like he was significantly outgunned coming into that final. And he did win the round 56 under to 60 under, which basically means he got outrun by four hundredths. It still cost him a hundredth permanent index because I think he was 61 under the original target. But I'm sure that he will gladly trade off that hundredth for the 50th annual Gator Nationals Wally. So shout out to uh, Mr. Bourgeois for really coming through in the clutch, perfect light in the final in a time where it would look like on paper, at least, that a roll of the dice was certainly warranted. Yeah, and if y'all didn't understand what Luke just said, it's comp eliminator. We don't have enough time in the show to try to explain it, but it's a very complicated formula they go by. And um, I hate to see my buddy Brad Pluard, our buddy Brad Pluard, bow out there in the semis, but I guess a little bit of parts failure or something kept him from being able to compete in that final round. But good win there for Bourgeois. But Luke, let's talk about some bracket racing in a, at a legendary facility. The 10 Granders uh, started back up at Bowling Green as we've known it as the 10 Tuck series for, oh my God, I don't even know how long, uh, probably 25, 30 years. I don't know how long it's been running, but no longer the 10 Tuck. Yes, uh, I guess the 10G at Bowling Green is a new format and they've got a new surface and they had a pretty good event themselves with some challenging cool temps, but it seemed like the new track surface treated everybody really good and they got a lot of racing done up there. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've been very open about my love for Beach Bend Raceway Park. It's probably it, – it, it and Norwalk are probably my two favorite facilities, but I go to Beach Bend like three or four times a year, and I might go to Norwalk once every two or three years. So I tend more to Bowling Green. I, I love Bowling Green, and I was planning on going to this race, but I'll be completely honest, Jed. I, as the years go on, I am a very much a fair-weather competitor, and I just bowed out because it's going to be cold. It just didn't sound interesting to me. But to your point, A, the new format, because the doing away with the 10 tuck and, and taking on this 10G at BG, which is, you know, has a nice ring to it. It's a lower entry format. It's it's more like the more common races of today. And to be completely transparent, I love the original 10 tuck format, but I don't fault them a bit for changing it because it just wasn't working. It wasn't profitable for the track. It looks like this new format was very well received even given those cold temps they had a good turnout i heard 
200-ish cars. And to your point, it sounds like the new track surface was awesome. And that's especially given the cold temperatures, that's a huge feather in their cap as well. So shout out to everybody at Bowling Green and Beach Bend for putting on what sounds like it was an excellent race. And shout out to a guy that, like the story for me from Bowling Green, Jeremy McKaggy owns that place. But the more that I think about it, Jeremy McKaggy and his brother Jason, like that show doesn't get on the road a ton, but they win everywhere they go. Like they dominate our summer door car shootout. And they win just about every time that they show up at Gateway, which is typically their, I guess, technically their local track. Although, I don't know exactly. Like, they live in Chamoy, Missouri. And Jeremy has told me, I think it's like three hours to anywhere. Yeah. So, and that probably explains a good bit as to why their show doesn't get on the road, so to speak. I guess they go to Stanton every year. They make a couple of appearances. And they just, they do well everywhere. Maybe not a household name because, again, they just don't travel a ton. But when you just stack up the accomplishments over the last five to ten years, like per event, I don't know that there's anybody that wins more than Jeremy and Jason McKeggy. I think that's very fair to say. Those guys turn on a ton of wind lights everywhere they go. Very successful and should pay taxes on Winter Circle at I-57 Drag Strip and Bowling Green because those guys have owned it and been in there more than anybody, I think, uh, in the last that. 10 I hadn't years. heard that. I like that. Yeah, no doubt. That was good. Huh? So, Luke, Did there were other winners. Yeah, thing. yeah. I just, I mean, it just popped in my head. I don't know. I don't know. Property how. Tax I don't know how it happened. How's the tree grow? It just does. I mean, it just happens. So, Adam Ask Davis. Me Ask me how I do it. <laughs> Adam Davis also got a win on the top, Luke. That guy's a footbrake racer. He's not supposed to win on the top. He won $25,000 at the Million in October on one of those days and then gets a ten grand win at Bowling Green. Uh, Adam Davis on fire, even on the top bulb. That guy's just ultra-talented. And Doug Foley also was a ten grand winner there at Bowling Green to wrap up their winter circle celebration. So good job by all those guys. And again, as you said, congrats to the folks at uh, Bowling Green for having the guts to go away from the legendary series that they've run for so long and change that up. And it seems like so far it's off to a really good start. I hope that continues. So, Luke, let's talk about the Loose Rocker event at Virginia Motorsports Park this past weekend. Now, you, you know these guys, Loose Rocker, do a really good job putting on races, and, and they offer up really good value for their customers. But you don't expect this to happen. It was the perfect storm. I think folks were starving to get to the racetrack. Really good race format and a great facility, all wrapped up into getting those guys 600 entries between Footbreak and Super Pro combined. Just phenomenal here on St. Paddy's Day race. Uh, early March to get 600 entries and it forced them to make some decisions like no more buyback or no buybacks obviously they had I think the, it was a basically around 270 ish 275 in foot brake 325 ish in pro couldn't get all that done with a buyback so they went away from the buyback still a nine round event or nine round race hit curfew on Saturday could not finish. I think they had about 20 Super Pro and maybe 17 foot break. Split that money up. Good decision. Come back into Sunday with a, just a little bit less crowd, not much. And they got all of that done. And young Miss Nicole Talbert 
got the win in footbreak over Ernie Humes. Nicole getting her first big stage paycheck like that, so good for her. Ernie Humes made the split on Saturday in footbreak and then gets the runner-up on Sunday, so that was big for him. Super Pro, I believe, was Mike Nelson Jr., if uh, my research is correct. I think Mike Nelson Jr. was your Sunday Super Pro winner over uh, Ray Holmes. So good job all those. But, look, 600 entries uh, makes a statement right here to to get the season started that uh, folks are ready to race. And Loose Rocker and BMP and Tyler Cross know welcomed in and did a great job. Yeah, that's a lot of race cars. But, yeah, it's no surprise either. Uh, Virginia, great facility. And then folks at Loose Rocker notorious for putting on excellent events so shout out to everybody involved that is awesome one more big buck race from this past weekend happened out in texas big jet and i think that brings us to this week's bte who's hot he's on fire it's time for who's hot in sportsman drag racing The BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. So, Luke, this week's BTE Who's Hot, uh, there were several people that, that... were candidates, as there always is. We always have uh, several that we can choose from. A lot of times, one just stands out way more than the others. This one kind of does. A lot of good performances, but what uh, Chad Sandlin accomplished at the Texas Triple Tens was just really extra special. He won a 10-grander on the top, and then later in the weekend, won a 5-grander on the bottom. Now, that that kind of talent's out there at, at a lot of races, but to weed through some pretty big fields, some tough racing, and accomplish what Chad Sandlin did is pretty special. Uh, again, 10 on the top, 5 on the bottom in the same weekend, a day or two apart, uh, was pretty big deal for Chad. So congratulations to him for being this week's BTE Who's Hot. We know Chad Luke does uh, extremely well all the time, but, uh, you know, that's a pretty special performance right there. Ajax. To the front. <laughs> Ajax, that's right. He might have been in the love machine at that. So, believe he was. Believe he was. <laughs> Ajax in the love machine. So, great job to Chad, and congratulations to you, sir, for being the BT who's hot this week. As I said, Luke, this could have gone some different ways. A former uh, who's hot winner here on a couple of occasions ran himself in the footbreak final of Friday night's $5,000 to win race, and that was Jake Howard. That's that's a excellent performance, as we know Jake is very capable of doing those type things, but it's still extremely difficult, and running yourself in the final of a 5K in that field was pretty darn impressive. Yeah, no question. On the um, top bulb side, it looks like uh, Saturday's event got rained out and the purse rolled over to Sunday. So those two tens became 120. Winner of that one was Papa Galitti. I can call him Papa now, even though he's not much older than I am. Chris Galitti got the $20,000 win over Dylan Bontrager. And uh, to your point, the uh, final day of No Box, we mentioned Chad Sandlin winning. He got the win over Lucas Walker. I talked about how the McKaggy show doesn't get on the road. Lucas Walker's show gets on the road. If there is a big money bottom bulb race, I don't care where it is. I think Lucas Walker will be there, and he'll probably be involved late in the money rounds. No so, doubt about it. Lucas is traveling 
discipline and he's typically taken a car for one of his uh, drivers to drive as well and he actually texted me about this event and told me he drove about as good as he has driven in quite some time but the guys in the other lane drove that well also and he said it was very tough racing which again just makes what Chad accomplished and what Jake accomplished very very special and as you said, Chris Galetti getting that win over Dylan Bontrager was a big deal, too. So tough racing out there in Texas, and uh, those guys had some awesome performances. We can take credit for elevating the uh, the bottom bulb field in the state of Texas because it was, what, two years ago that I kind of just personally called them all out? I mean, I, <laughs> I think it was. I think it got misinterpreted a little bit more than anything, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, Texas bottom ball racing. It's good, obviously. Lucas Walker says so. And there ain't too many people out there better than Lucas Walker. <laughs> Real good. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. We did this last year. Okay. As you mentioned in the intro, we both really get into college hoops, right? It's kind of our thing. So the first year, we've been doing the podcast now for three years. At least we've gone through three NCAA tournaments with the podcast. And the first year, we basically just dedicated two or three weeks of the podcast to the NCAA tournament. And we broke it down as if it was a college basketball podcast. And that was not particularly well received, which to be completely transparent, we didn't care. It's what we wanted to talk about. It's our show. But upon further review, we're like, eh. It is a racing podcast. Like we should tie this in. So we came up with this brilliant idea last year, and it was so fun because basically we tied in all of those dumb explanations that we have for why we lose. And we weren't necessarily uh, – I can't say that. We were calling some people out. But for the most part, the explanations that we used were things that we've all said at one point and the other, which I think made it that much funnier, made it all hit home. So if you are new to the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, I think this will be good today. This will be fun. I doubt that it will measure up to last year. So go back and listen to that. We'll have Mark share the link on Facebook to last year's NCAA tournament rundown. But essentially what we did is we tied one of those explanations to each of the the top seeded teams in the NCAA tournament. And we kind of had our own bracket as it followed the tournament. So we're going to do the same thing this year. But with a little bit different premise, and we have to give credit where credit is due here, Big Jed. This is all a result of our friend, friend of the podcast, Justin Lamb. Because if you'll remember, actually, I don't think, I think this was one of the interviews I did by myself. I don't even know if you listened to it, Jed. But towards the end, it was Justin's uh, rapid fire. We're like, what is the your biggest pet peeve? And he's like, I can't stand all of these phrases that just whip me that are associated with racing and i think he singled out like the s dime why can't you just call it an s10 i fell out of the car what did you not strap in right and though i can't do it justice because the way that justin said it was hilarious you know especially coming from him because he's he comes across as pretty straight laced and intense right so we really cut loose it was fun so along those lines what we're going to do with this year's tournament, Big Jed, is we're going to tie each of the top four seeds in each region. So essentially the 16 best teams coming into the tournament to one of these racing related phrases that just whip us into submission. And again, much like last year, these are phrases that most, if not all of us, have probably thrown out there at some point, but they are either completely nonsensical or they don't really apply or you're just tired of hearing them right (laughs) 
Yeah, that's, uh, we all get tired of that. But as I, as I look down through the list, I'm guilty of saying a lot of them. So uh, next time I'm, uh, when I'm announcing in Vegas and I say, yes, Dime, I'm going to know Justin Lamb's out there wanting to choke me. So now I'm, I'm all self-conscious about it. But nonetheless, Luke, we'll run down the region's top four seeds and the phrase or saying that they are tied to. And I think it's only natural that I cover the South since that's what I'm all about. So we'll start it out. We'll, we'll start it out in the South region where Virginia is your number one seed. And Virginia is tied to the phrase or saying electricity. Now, the late, great Tracy Hardy was the first one I ever heard say, yeah, I got electricity. But that's, uh, that's something I like to say a lot, and I think a lot of people use that. So uh, hopefully that doesn't bother too many people. But Virginia is electricity, and if you know much about basketball, that's actually pretty fitting. A number two seed is the Tennessee Volunteers. And they are tied to S-Dime, as we just mentioned, is a phrase that Justin gets sick of hearing. That fits S-11 or S-15 or any other creative way you want to say S-10. But S-Dime is the phrase tied to the volunteers in the number two slot. The number three seed, shout out to my bud Alan Neff. This is his Purdue Boilermakers. And um, just like Alan has had done to him many times, uh, dropped him. And you can add on his head or her head or whomever's head, but dropped him is going to be the phrase tied to the number three seed Purdue Boilermakers. And we've all heard dropped him on his head and try not to say that on a hot mic, but I probably have. So I apologize to anybody that phrase bothers. And the Kansas State uh, basketball team is uh, pulled in the lanes all wrong. Now, my buddy A.J. Ash. That's him. Every time he goes to the racetrack, he'll tell you he pulled in the lanes all wrong. And we actually used that one back uh, in 18 when we did this, Luke. the only one that we brought back. But pulled in the lanes all wrong is going to be Kansas State in the number four seed. And at some point, I would think that'll be fitting for them. They will probably pull in the basketball lanes all wrong here in uh, a week or so. What about the Midwest region? If if Kansas State doesn't have Dean Wade, they will probably pull into the lanes all wrong in the first round or two. <laughs> okay, so yeah, pulled in the lanes all wrong is a remake from last year. It's the only one that we will reuse because it was definitely a hot button topic as to why you would lose rounds, right? Because of pulled in the lanes all wrong. And if you'll remember the clarification that I had last year, and I will repeat again, is that no one seems to think that they pulled in lanes all wrong when they're 40 and three above and the wind light comes on. <laughs> but the next round, when they lay down eight total and lose, man, I can't pull in a stage lane drive for nothing. Right, <laughs> yeah, that happens awful. every week. To the Midwest region. All right, the Midwest, the one seed is the North Carolina Tar Heels. Shout out to Don O'Neill. Shout out to Kevin Brandon. Shout out to North Carolina fans everywhere. And the one seed, and this one's going to be hard to beat, big wheels rolling. Does anyone really need to know that the big wheels or the little wheels or the medium-sized wheels are rolling? Hey, you're going racing. We get it. Okay. It's a whipping phrase. The two seed, Kentucky. This is one that just doesn't even make sense to me. And I realize it's not relegated to racing circles, but asking for a friend. Kentucky will be representing the phrase, asking for a friend. What does that even mean? Like We all know you're not asking for a friend. It's not funny. It wasn't funny two years ago. 
It's just a whip. The three seed, the Houston Cougars. Phi Slamma Jamma. Reincarnated. The three seed, we're going to the other end of the racetrack, Big Jed. Chuckin' Taters. That's what happens when you're just popping smoke out of the headers down there. Yak, yak, yak on the old throttle. Chuckin' Taters. It's one of my personal favorites. I don't think Houston's going to win the tournament, so Chuckin' Taters probably not making a national championship run, but felt like it was worth the shout-out. And the four seed in the Midwest, the Kansas Jayhawks. This is one of my personal favorites. We're sticking with the finish line theme. This is gave it back. Because if you have ever messed up the finish line, you have uttered the phrase, I give it back, two thou. In reality, I just love, I think I've discussed this here on, on the podcast before. This is one of my pet peeves. But the racer that is dialed a second faster than his opponent. And granted, kills some ET, but still outruns his opponent by 20 miles an hour. And gets to the finish line second by whatever, two, three, four, five thousandths of a second. Gave it back. It's not actually accurate. The bottom line is you never got there. You never had it to begin with. You basically. never so you can't you can't <laughs> give back what you don't have. Yeah, because you didn't you didn't get around him a few thousand. No, it's, then... it's not like you got by him and then got back behind. <laughs> like the laws of physics don't allow that. You just didn't get there. You really didn't have anything to do with giving it back. <laughs> you just didn't get there. So, Luke, as I look at the notes on the East Regional, I, oh, I would like this? to I would like to request that you handle this one, yes. please. All right. So this is a good one. I was I actually requested some outside assistance because the first ten or so of these like came right off the top of the head. Like, yes, that phrase whips me, right? This one was good. I, I reached out to Justin for this and, and we got a little bit of input from Kyle, from Peter. Like we got some good stuff here. And what I've always heard is like uh, at the hit, at the jump. I think this is more of a this might be more in your alley, Big Jed. This is more of a swapping feet thing. Yes. This is at the step, right? So I just I, I spun the tires at the step. I knew I was beat at the step, right? That's a good one. But it's even better when we tie it in to the one seed in the East region, and that is the overall one seed in the tournament, the Duke Blue Devils. And why at the step is so apropos for the Duke Blue Devils is because Zion lost his shoe, dog, at the step. <laughs> Right step. That shoot blew out at step. I don't know how many of our listeners know what that is all about, but that's exactly what happened. And it is fitting. Sometimes you got to be careful at the step. So Duke will represent at the step. The two seed in the East is Michigan State. Michigan State is one that's, I think it's the only one in our bracket that will represent multiple phrases that all essentially mean the same thing. Okay, Michigan State can represent any combination of the following. Met it, flinched, caught the flash, jumped on it, missed the tree. Those are all really creative ways to say that you let go before the freaking light came on. That's what you did. You didn't meet it coming on because you didn't know it was coming on. You let go before it lit up. That's all. <laughs> Simple as that. Michigan State. Met it, flinched, caught the flash, jumped on it. Etc. LSU, shout out to the FBI. LSU is the three seed 
in the East region. And LSU is going to get – this is just maybe completely personal to me. It's another one of those goofy pet peeves I've got. Maybe it's because I grew up in the generation where perfect was 500 or 400. So I always like when you're 100, that's perfect, right? So then then everything changed, which makes more sense. Now triple zero is perfect, right? But we condense that to trip zip or better yet, trips. Yeah, I'm not in on it. It's like you had a perfect light. So <laughs> I let you represent trip zip and or trips. And I got to say right here that JJ's in the slot car race and he is just all over. He's digging it. And and perfect is four zeros. And I'm loving what they call four zeros. Quads. Okay. He was quads. Dad, Dad, you see that guy was quads. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I will get sick of it soon, I'm sure, but right now I'm loving quads. That's the thing. Like 10 years ago, trips, the first time I heard it, I'm like, that's pretty slick. I like it. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I feel like Scrooge. I'm like, this is the things everybody say. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Virginia Tech. I'll, I'll let you do the West region. I'll finish up Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, the four seed in the East, uh, locked and loaded. This is one I, I don't see as often as Big Wheels rolling, but it's kind of the same thing. Like, locked, I'm loaded, going to the races. Hey, man, why don't you just make a post like when you get there? Nobody cares. Be safe on the road, but nobody cares. <laughs> Luke, don't be mean. I know, I, I bought humbug. <laughs> All right, so the West region, the number one seed is Brad Pleward's uh, Gonzaga team, and they are going to be tied to the phrase, caught his drop. Now, Luke, we've talked about this over and over. That don't happen. I mean, anybody that thinks they caught his drop is fooling themselves into thinking they're better than they really are. You might have dropped with them. And you might have seen them drop, but that don't mean you caught their drop. You don't catch their drop. It's you don't so see it happen, and then yeah, you don't see it happen and react to it. It's not a thing. It is not a thing. The number two seed is the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, shout out to Mark Wessler, VP Racing Fuels, and their phrase is blew the tires off. That gets tied to anything down on 60 foot from 5,000 to 500s. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter how much you spun, you blew the tires off. It's unbelievable. You know, and no offense to anybody, but I promote some races. And I've, I've had them come up and tell me, man, I blew the tires off. You were one above, you know, 13,000 over. So I, it's such look. an exaggerated statement. Now, I have. I don't even think it was on the starting line. I think it was in the burnout. I have seen a dragster physically de-bead the tires from the wheels. That is blowing the tires off. <laughs> that is blowing the tires off. Anything short of that, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Like, dude, you know, you were one above. Well, yeah, but I was holding eight. So I was one above on the rug. On the rug. Man, that should have been one we used on the rug. But anyway, blew the tires off is a phrase that I probably used some myself, but I really hate that one. The number three seed is Texas Tech. I feel like and I need to jump in here because I don't – I think I need to explain. 
this is another one that's probably very unique to me but you're in the staging lanes and maybe there is an oil down there's some downtime and then they come over the pa and they're like all right everybody load up that is confusing as all get out to me because when you tell me to load up i think i need to strap my stuff down and go home (laughs) i'm not a fan of the phrase load up you tell me suit up you can tell me to buckle up don't tell me to load up yeah that is a commonly misused phrase there or misused statement or whatever but i definitely don't want you to load up i got texas tech in the final four so i'm load up all the way oh wow load up and then the final seed in the final region here in the west is the number four seed florida state and florida state is tied to the phrase hogged it up as we all know is commonly used when someone has gotten a little more stripe than they anticipated getting or that they wanted or needed. Hog it up is the phrase used for for that a lot of times. I mean, you'll hear other things said for that, but hog it up means you ate more stripe than than you wanted or you needed. So I think we all knew that. Hogged it up. What was the, what's the phrase I always used to hear down your way? Like uh, beat them by two city blocks. City blocks, yeah, or, freight train, uh, freight train. Yeah, that's a good. There was a one of the years ago. I don't even know where it was. I think it was before my time. One of the like, I wish you would do something like this, Jed, because you just want to make everybody happy all the time. Yeah. But there was an announcer that just, I guess, was not a, a bit afraid to get under people's skin and would literally blow a train whistle over the PA anytime anybody took like fifty or more. You just got the train whistle. <laughs> No, I've got to get back out there in the lanes with them, so I handle things probably a little differently than some announcers. That announcer might have, might have hit the deadbolt, right? But yeah. yeah. Uh, Ooh, Luke, Luke took 50 to be 3,000. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so, and, and one of my favorite, it's not a phrase that we could tie to anybody, but it happened at, uh, I think, the fall fling last year where Jordan White might have got a little... Uh, maybe five or six times more stripe than he needed to take. And um, I think Champ said, uh, had me announce on the PA, if anybody needs some stripe, and <laughs> go buy go buy Jordan White's trailer. Uh, he's He's got plenty of it. So That's thought, good. That's good. Yeah, the, one that that, was- uh, the best one that I've heard, somebody hit me with one time because I took like a bunch. And, uh, hey, what happened yesterday? I'm like, oh, I... I took way too much finish line and I lost. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Actually, I don't even—I don't even think I owned it like that. It was like ah, I won a couple of that under. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and whoever it was was talking to me was like, oh, you know, I saw that round. Did your opponent cross the finish line yet? I'm like do what? He's like, well, I mean, it's been a day later. Like, did they get him off the track? Did he ever get to the finish line? <laughs> yeah, 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 he did. That better be a good friend. okay so that's ours right that's the phrases that whip us or maybe i maybe i should just own them because i i did i did most of these whipped me and you were kind of standing up for them so (laughs) and we've got the top the top four seeds in each region so again in theory the 16 best teams in the bracket covered here but there will inevitably i don't know if we may do another show prior to the sweet 16 
So there will almost inevitably be some upsets and there will be some teams not in the, the top four seeds that advance. So with that in mind, we want some of your suggestions. What, what phrases whip you that we don't have represented? We'll take our favorite ones and we will attach them to the upset teams that advance to the Sweet 16. One that just struck my mind as we were uh, recording here and that we didn't include, Sandbagger. Right? And that's not oh. like a thing like it used to be, but somebody should have been the Sandbagger. Yes, I get mad at you for sandbagging back in the day. Well, I, I can't say that. I haven't been disqualified for sandbagging, but I have been heavily reprimanded. Yeah, and it wasn't that, it wasn't that long ago, really. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That, that, that term come along out of place at that event. Neither here nor there. Like, let's pay some bills, and uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk to everybody about what's on tap. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. All right, guys, March the 22nd through the 24th, the IHRA is bringing two races to two different tracks at an amazing value. Now, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular will take place once again at Farmington Dragway and Extreme Raceway Park. Both of these races will provide racers with races that provide not only great payouts at incredibly reasonable entry prices but also an awesome overall experience the summit sportsman spectacular will now offer track points for racers that are in those respective track point systems now it's a little unique uh events coming to town but you can still gain points by attending it's a no-brainer you need to be there it's a great value a great event and you gain those valuable points in your points runoffs and now they're bringing back favorites like big checks IHRA membership bonuses, and Ironman in all classes, along with round prizes. Now, the IHRA and NHRA credentials will be accepted at both races. For more information and payout specifics, visit www.ihra.com. Represented by BTE, represented by BTE. BTE is one of a few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi is stocked with thousands of parts and centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. You do the Kevin Brandon later smack across the land, then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. You've been waiting all winter long, hearing them go on and on. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, Luke, what's on tap for this coming weekend? Uh, as we just talked about, uh, yeah, and we talked about in the beginning of the show as well, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular is being held 
at two different facilities this weekend, Extreme Raceway Park in Texas and Farmington Dragway in North Carolina. So hopefully those guys get good weather and good turnouts and look forward to seeing some results from those. Let's make a deal. Triple tens at Huntsville Dragway here in my home state, Huntsville, Alabama. $10,000 a day Friday through Sunday. And they always tie a little neat name to it. So it's let's make let's make a deal. So hopefully everybody headed that way has a good time as well. The Footbreak 150, the BTE Footbreak 150 down at Gulfport Dragway in Gulfport, Mississippi, Galen Rollison putting on uh, that big footbreak race. I think, Luke, that's going to be fifteen grand to win a couple of days down there in Gulfport, Mississippi, down on the Gulf Coast. I know that one has gotten a lot of attention and got a lot of people headed that way to do some foot swapping. Looking forward to definitely seeing if uh, some of those foot breakers that are on a hot streak right now can continue that in a tough field. And then on the NHRA side, the division for Lucas Oil Series is being held at Royal Purple Raceway in Houston, Texas. So looking forward to seeing how that turns out as well. Some good racing on the bracket side and the NHRA side as well. So folks, get out to your tracks and your series and have a really good time. Luke, that wraps up. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, number 121, is in the books. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, the IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular, and the fine folks at BTE. We appreciate them very much, and I've missed this as well. It is shout-out time. Shout-out time. I'm going to keep this brief because, um, quite frankly, I'm over it, and it's almost time to watch basketball. So... With all sincerity, shout out to Carl Watts. Uh, I normally make the shout outs really fun, but uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, cool watching Carl do good. So uh, good job, my friend. Proud of you. And I say that as if Carl's listening to this podcast. Carl Watts could care less about what you and I are foaming at the mouth about. The odds <laughs> of listening to this podcast are none. Shout out to property taxes in the winter circle. That was probably my favorite line of the show, and that's going to become a thing. It's You heard it here first. It's a, That's oh. a Jedism, right? <laughs> Within a year, that'll be one of the phrases that whip us, but right yeah. now, it's cool. Property taxes. You, man, that guy wins so much. You got to pay, pay, pay property taxes on the winner's circle. Man, yeah. Complicated Eliminator. Shout out to Complicated Eliminator. I could have made that simpler for the bracket racer to understand, basically – when Craig Bourgeois rolled into the water, they could have told him, hey, your opponent's going to lay down 10 total. Good luck. And he'd be like, all right, I got it. And he beat it. That's basically the situation. There you go. Okay. Uh, shout out to fair weather racers like myself. Shout out to the Nicoles of the world, specifically Nicole Talbert and Nicole Stevenson. Both got some run on today's episode. Shout out to Big Ed for the Super Gas win at the Gators. Shout out to Ajax and the Love Machine. Shout out to Chronological Order. Shout out to the FBI, again, just because, and Will Wade. And uh, shout out to the NCAA tournament. I got to get some basketball in. My final four big jet is ACC heavy. I got Duke. I got North Carolina. I got Virginia. And I've got Texas Tech. Sorry, Brad and the Zags. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out, Luke. You uh, usually do pretty good at those things. So uh, good luck to you in your bracket. Guys, we're done. Tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Or you can add either Luke or myself on the tweeter. 
Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to talking to you about some racing stuff really soon. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.